Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we discuss the chaotic options in Ann Arbor. We bring the Big Ten coaches, Eric Anderson, and team of North fans, Sean Butler. That all starts right now. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average! I don't want to be around you! Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio, where I am joined by my co-host, Chris Wilds. How are things going this uh, lovely evening, Chris? I'll tell you what, Eric, things are going really great. It was, it was a beautiful day out there, a little chilly, but it was a beautiful day. And we were out there peddling our cookies again, so uh, only about a month of that left, thank goodness. Most stressful time of the year for me, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. Gotta ask, man, what's the temptation of not just cracking open a box and just chowing down? Uh, the fact that I have to pay for them, and I'm cheap. <laughs> There you go. I guess that uh, that would be. Uh, I'd rather save up that money and spend it on some football tickets, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, Aaron is not with us tonight, guys, and um, we are going to ask all of you listeners who believe in prayer to remember him in prayer. Things uh, are escalating, uh, as you well know, I'm sure, between Russia and Ukraine, and uh, with that war and. Uh, Aaron, for the foreseeable future, is not going to be with us, guys. So um, let's just hope that things calm down this week and we can get uh, our uh, our buddy back with us on the podcast here in a week. But it sounds like things uh, are escalating, like I said. So remember him in prayer, those who believe. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. At Spire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool track, map, basketball quarter, gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home and take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. So this uh, this show is going to be all about that team up north and the Big Ten in general. <clears throat> Not much Ohio State football news to talk about, Chris, this week. We're going to be diving into uh, a spring practice, I believe, in a week or so here uh, yep. in Ohio. So we're looking forward to that, and we'll have a big spring preview next week. But uh, as of right now, guys, we're going to be talking about that team up north who has started spring practice, although Jim Harbaugh has that thing uh, locked down uh, like Fort Knox currently. Not too much news coming out of Ann Arbor about this team and this new coaching staff, but 
We are going to talk about that team up north, and we're also going to rank uh, the Big Ten coaches again. Chris and I are from least to greatest as far as 14 to 1 um, in the Big Ten. We're going to rank them uh, here in a little bit. And then later on in this show, Chris, I've got an interesting interview with our one Michigan fan we allow on this podcast, Sean Butler. Um, we have a very interesting conversation about that team up north and what he views as some of the things that have happened there. Now, we're going to have our own two cents. Sean kind of lets us in on what the fan base is thinking about this team, but uh, which is very interesting, so stick around to hear that. But let's start from the beginning, Chris. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want to get your response on them, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. Let's start with this one. On a scale of 1 to 10 – one being the worst possible and 10 being the best possible rate that team up north off season thus far. I'll tell you what, I, you know what? They've gotten a couple of decent recruits on, but I'm still only going to give them like a two. Ooh, the chaos, terrible. The chaos that has ensued from Harbaugh's little jaunt to Minnesota to missing out on recruits because they decided not to send anybody on national signing day to losing half the coaching staff. This has not been a good situation for a team that really should have been cashing in on the success they had this year. I mean, they finally got over the hump and got a win against Ohio state. They got into the college football playoff. This was a team that should have been cashing in big time and they've fallen flat on their face during this off season. I'm going to go more in the middle at a five. I think, believe it or not, despite all the chaos that has happened up there, I do believe that uh, Harbaugh and company did bounce back pretty well despite everything that happened. Now, for a couple weeks there, it looked like it looked like the foundation was crumbling, but it, it appears that they have leveled off and have actually calmed down up there now. It's been said, <clears throat> Steve Dace from the Michigan podcast has has uh, has made the argument, and I believe he might be right, that it's, it appears Jim Harbaugh thrives under chaos, that he's at his best when it's chaotic. And if you look at the past couple years, how it's gone up there, it appears that that is, that is a true statement. I mean, he was on a death nail, dude, and pulled out the season, uh, his best season in Ann Arbor. And now here he is again off a tumultuous offseason, and it appears that the uh, hires that he's made in Jesse Minter and Matt Weiss, is, uh, it appears that those aren't necessarily terrible hires. Um, I'm not sure what to think of Matt Weiss particularly, but he's got a history with Jim uh, and the Harbaugh family, and so does Jesse Minter, uh, despite a, a poor showing last year in uh, Vanderbilt. If you look at his resume, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know that anybody could have a good year in Vanderbilt, just saying. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty bad but, team. You know, Franklin had an okay year down there, didn't he? But that was so long ago, Chris. And he, built, was, it up, but... and he built it up over time. Yeah. And he was the head coach, too. A little bit different when you're a coordinator, you know, who, who comes in late, has one season, and then and then <laughs> bolts. So, um, anyways, I'm going to give him a five. Let's just move on to the next question. True or false? Michigan could have gotten a better head coach 
if Jim Harbaugh would have gotten the Minnesota Vikings job? You, you know, the, the conventional wisdom out there says no, because they probably would have had to go with somebody who was a little more unproven or one of the big name smaller conference coaches. What if Campbell uh, from Iowa State would have gone over? Oh, yeah, I think X's and O's wise, he's definitely a better coach. Uh, you know, I will give this to Harbaugh. He was a Michigan guy. I'm sure that probably helped a little bit in recruiting. He was an NFL guy. I'm sure that helped a little bit in recruiting. Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be a close matchup. Now, I do think that the loss of one of them that possibly could have stepped in and, you know, eventually been a better coach than Harbaugh is, uh, help me out, the offensive coordinator who left. Jeff Gaddis? Yes. I think Gaddis had tremendous potential as a head coach. Really? Okay. Um, Sean Sean disagrees completely. And he and you know that's yeah that's our next question. So you say false. I'm going to go true. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a very good head coach. Yeah. I think Matt Campbell from Iowa State's a better coach personally. I think Luke Fickle's a much better coach. And those those would have been wasn't going there. Yeah. Well, those would be in the first two phone calls. I think that would have been made. Yeah, Fickle wasn't going anywhere, I don't believe. Uh, you know, Fickle's got a really good thing going. He's going to be going into, let's let's face it, he's going to be going into a weekend Big 12. Uh, or, you know, so yeah. I really think he's going to be in a good situation there. And honestly, I think Fickle sits there at Cincinnati, spends the next few years there, and he waits to see what happens with Ryan Day. I really think mm-hmm. that's his, his game plan. I think uh, you're right. And Campbell, I don't know that he leaves to take over that chaos at Michigan. Yes, it's a much better program as far as as name and tradition go. But I don't know that he leaves. But if he does, again, my biggest concern thing is would recruiting slack off there? I mean, Campbell's done a lot with that Iowa State team. But, you know, he's doing a lot, kind of like we say a lot with Wisconsin. He's doing a lot with those three-star guys. Yeah. I think I think Harbaugh has the name power to draw in some of those five-star guys. And I think that, to me, not the X's and O's I would give to Campbell. I think the recruiting I'd give to Harbaugh. Okay. <clears throat> Michigan fans believe Jeff Gaddis was overrated. Despite winning the Assistant Coach of the Year award, was he overrated? And why do you think he left Michigan from Miami, Chris? Are you kidding me? He was overrated. He, along with those two defensive ends, were the reason that they had the year they had. No, he was not overrated. He's a tremendous coordinator, I believe. I think he's going to do great things at Miami. Uh, And I think the biggest reason he left, and I think we talked about this, I think that between Harbaugh's lackluster attitude and the fact that he thought that you know, there's a good chance there's going to be a new head coach bringing in a new regime. And then the fact that when that was possibly in play, he didn't have that opportunity given to him. I think those two things soured him on Michigan. And that's why he walked. I think Jeff Gaddis was overrated. And, I, and here's yeah. my reasoning why. Yeah, I do. Here's my reasoning why. This past year, 
that was not Jeff. That was not Jeff Gaddis's offense. That was Jim Harbaugh's offense. They went back to Harbaugh, not speed and space. And yeah, he he got he got a lot of credit for being the assistant coach of the year. And I don't know that he did a whole lot, to be honest with you. Now, what do I think about the move to Miami for him? I think he just wanted to get out of Dodge. I think he got offended that Jim Harbaugh came back when he thought he was in line to become the next head coach, and it ticked him off. Now, Mich- now Sean completely disagrees with me, as you will hear why in the in the uh, interview we give. And I'm not going to do any spoilers here, but the story that he gives about why Jeff Gaddis le- left, if true, is a bomb. Wow. And, when, and if it comes out, the dude might not be able to coach ever again, if it's true. Just there's a there's a tease for you, right? So oh, hang yeah. around. Hang around and hear what Sean has to say about Jeff Gaddis. All right. Here's one for you, Chris. <laughs> Given their their terrible, mediocre schedule this year, what will Michigan's over-under win total be set at by Vegas upon entering the season? You know, I think expectation is still going to be high for them. Mm-hmm. Just based off what they did. But you know what? This is the thing. They lost so much production on both sides of the ball. They lost some key pieces of the line. They lost so many good offensive coaches. I think Vegas will probably come out. Over under, I think Vegas comes out with an 11 win. Mm, I was going to say 10 and a half. I, I think, yeah, I think that's right in the ballpark. Personally, I think they'll be lucky to get nine. Ooh, okay. All right. <clears throat> we shall see. When we get when we get into the, the midsummer and we start doing our previews, it's gonna be interesting to really dive into what we think this program is going to actually do. Um because I think a lot of it hinges on this very next question. Who will the team up north starting quarterback be come week number one? Will it be the veteran Kate McNamara? Or will it be the five-star sophomore, J.J. McCarthy? You know, I, I come up with some good questions. Mac, Mac this, McNamara, <laughs> McNamara really, he doesn't have the skill set that the, the well, he's going to be a J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, J.J. He doesn't have the, set, the skill set that McCarthy has. But a lot can be said for experience. And I think in week one, Harbaugh gives the nod to the experience. I'm with you. Sean is with, Sean is against us. Sean thinks it's going to be J.J. McCarthy. And he thinks it's because Harbaugh understands that he's got to keep this this five-star. That The five-star has a higher ceiling. And when they got to the, the, the college football playoff, you saw where Cade McNamara can't win that kind of game. Right. No, I, I, I can understand that thinking. I don't think that Harbaugh is going to – I think that – I don't see Harbaugh choosing that route, though. It's, I just it's, can't see a guy with, with, his, with his mindset and his thinking going that route. It's the route he should go, but I'm with you. I don't think he goes that route. I think he goes with McNamara, at least to start the season. Yes. Now it could change. Right. But uh, yeah. 
All right. Here's the last one that's going to make everybody laugh. (laughs) And you're probably going to get mad at me for asking this question, but it needs to be asked. Will Ohio State beat that team up north in 2022? Yes or no and why? Oh, absolutely. And Eric, I think it's going to be an easy victory, to be honest with you. Uh, The reason being they have lost so much production. Like I said, we were competitive with them last year, you know, and it was, they had, I think, the two best outside rushers in the country last year. Not just one. They had both of what I think were the two best outside rushers in the country. I agree with that statement, and they, and I think the draft and will show that to be true. Yep. I do, too. And they're losing uh, Hassan Haskins, who, you know, just a dynamic player. Uh, like I said, they're losing some keys to the, to, on that the line, and I think that they, I, I know you and uh, our, our Michigan fan may not agree with us, but Eric, I think that the loss of these uh, uh, coordinators is going to play a big factor. I think Ohio State wins and wins big this year, and I'll tell you what, if Day gets the chance to lay it on, he is going to lay it on thick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Ohio State wins. I think they win big. It's in the shoe. Revenge will be on the mind. I I think Ohio State will have a lot to play for. I think uh, Ohio State's got a national championship roster. If they can get the defense figured out, I think this is a national championship team. So, you know, if those things fall into place, I, I agree. I think it's a big win. All right. Uh, you got. Do you have anything else about the team up north, the program, any questions, anything else before we move on to ranking these coaches? Let me tell you, Eric, we have nothing but questions about the uh, team up north. Uh, you know, between between what they've got going on with their their football program, and we've I've said this before, they've got they have got a head football coach who's a total flake, and then they've got a basketball coach who's going out trying to beat up everybody in the Big Ten now. You know, they've got a mess up there at Michigan, and the people in charge of that university need to get it under control. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, the the uh, the look, the outlook on it from the from a media standpoint, it's it's not pretty. That's for sure. No, definitely not. I I, I not glad. what I imagine they want. No, but I'll say this: I'm glad Jim Harbaugh came back. Oh, I am too. He's got such a good record against us. I, I he is he's a he is a perfect uh, guy to hate. If you know, yeah, what he's I mean. a great villain. Yeah, for us as a Buckeye fans, absolutely. Um, and uh, the way things went and the way they're talking, I mean, the comment. I don't know if you saw the comment JJ McCarthy made within the last forty-eight hours. Uh, but he told the media, he goes, "We don't know anything else but beating Ohio State here at Michigan." Well, that's because he's only been there for a year. He's been there one year. I know, right? But it's like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the attitude that they've got now. And I'm telling you, pride cometh before the fall. I think this program, I think they got an easy year. They got an easy schedule. They're going to come into Ohio State either 10-1 and or 11-0. and And I think we put a whooping on them that day. Oh, I really do. I hope they come in that, that, that well-ranked with that kind of record. Because I'll tell you what, that's going to do nothing but help us when we give them a beat down. Mm-hmm. There we go. Anything else, man? No, no, I'm, All right. I'm good. 
for the fourth straight year, the very first show I ever did, I flew I flew solo on episode number one of the OHIO podcast. That show, I ranked the Big Ten kit coaches from 14th to 1st. This will be the fourth time we've done this. Chris, every year I look forward to this because I it's so interesting to me to see how these coaches move around on this list in my mind. Um, and why I rate rank them the way I do. But let's start with number 14 and work our way up to number one. Uh, I will let you go first. Who is number 14 on the Big Ten head coaches on your list? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, overall, the coaching record may not sound too bad at 34 and 36. You know, 534 winning percentage. But Scott Frost at Nebraska – only 15 and 29 versus the Big Ten. And let me tell you, that team is much better than that. We saw them hang with some of the best teams in the country, and they just couldn't figure out how to win. So for that reason, I put him at number 14. Scott Frost is also number 14 for me. The 47-year-old since coming back as the savior of the Nebraska program after winning the AP Coach of the Year in 2017 in Central Florida, has done nothing but fall flat on his face. The dude is a phenomenal coach for thir- three quarters, but as the Monk says over on uh, Shots from the Shot, Jason Monk, uh, Scott Frost, when it comes to four quarters, can't coach. He he will completely fall flat on his face and find a way to lose that game. Um, this is a make-or-break year for Scott Frost, obviously. If they do not make a bowl game, he will be fired this year. He's number 14 on the list for me as well. Number 13 for you, Chris. Uh, 13 for me, even though he his team saw a little bit of improvement this season. I'm going to go with Mike Loxley at Maryland. Uh, you know, 15 and 49 overall as a head coach. That's a dismal 234 winning percentage. Uh, you know, has some good talent. Uh, but really, again, doesn't really capitalize on that talent. He's in a hotbed of recruiting there in that, uh, the, you know, that DMV area there of the mm-hmm. country and doesn't seem to nail down getting all those big recruits. Uh, yeah, I went with Loxley at 13. I actually went with Tom Allen at 13, the 52-year-old there in Bloomington, Indiana for the Hoosiers. Has a 26 and 32 record, which is a 448 winning percentage. He's 0 and 3 in bowl games, and even though he was the 2020 Big Ten Coach of the Year a season ago, he's never won a Big Ten championship. He's never won an Eastern uh, Division championship, and he this he proved this past year in 2021. He doesn't know how to sustain success. I think Indiana is on a downward trajectory, big time. I think they mm-hmm. might be the worst team in the East this upcoming season. I do believe Maryland and Rutgers both are trending upward where Indiana is trending downward. And I look for Tom Allen to maybe end up on the hot seat after this upcoming season if he's not able to to surprise us once again. Tom Allen, 13 for me. Who would you have at 12? Actually, this is where I had Tom Allen. I'm not going to regurgitate the same reasons you did, Eric. But, yeah, I had him in that bottom half, I think. What we saw a couple of years ago out of that Andy, Indiana team was basically an aberration. I, I don't see uh, any sustained success there. Uh, so, yeah, I've got Allen sliding in this spot here. 
And I won't regurgitate what you said about Mike Loxley because I have him at number 12, the 52-year-old with a terrible record but had a had his best year ever as a head coach, is 1-0 all-time now in bowl, re- bowl games. So he's got that under his belt. And I do believe that this team is on an upward trajectory. I would not be surprised if Maryland doesn't come into the season with a six or seven game uh, over under win total for them this season, and they should probably hit it in all honesty. They do play in the toughest division in all of college football, the Big Ten East, um, which guarantees that they're going to at least lose three or four games. But do not be surprised if Maryland does not upset somebody in the East this year. And by upset, I mean Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, or Ohio State, which I don't hope, hopefully it's an Ohio State. I don't think it'll be Ohio State. But they will upset somebody this year. Remember, uh, they dealt with a ton of injuries last year to some of their best players, especially in the passing game as wide receivers. Look for them to be much better this year in 2022. Number 11 for you, Chris. Uh, number 11, I, I went with with uh, Aaron's buddy, Birdie. Uh, <laughs> Brett you, you Bielema, know, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and his time... And it's, the numbers are kind of confusing because he is he has a six eleven winning percentage as a head coach, one oh two and sixty-five. He's forty-one and twenty-four in the Big Ten. But you know what? Most of that was with Barry Alvarez's Wisconsin team. True. Uh we didn't see out of them what I thought we should have saw this year, given the number of seniors they had on that team. Uh so for that reason, I went with uh Brett at number eleven. Number 11 for me, and uh, I totally forgot about this until doing the research on this uh, last week. Brett, or excuse me, Jeff Brom, who was the former quarterback for uh, Louisville a long Mm -hmm. time ago and actually had a pretty long NFL and professional career, he actually played in the original XFL as a quarterback, which is crazy to think about. 50 year old coach there at Purdue. He has a record of 58 and 39 overall. That's a 598 winning percentage. He's four and one in bowl games in his career. No Big Ten championships, however, and no Big Ten West titles, nor has he ever won the Coach of the Year award. But he is known as an offensive innovator, and Purdue did have a decent season this past year uh, after starting the season on the hot seat. Uh, He's no longer there. He's number 11 for me. He's one of those guys who could flow anywhere from 8 to 12, you know, just depending on the kind of season he has. We'll see if they're able to bounce back. They do have their quarterback coming back again this year. So I think that uh, Purdue's going to be kind of one of those teams in the West that says if things fall right for them, maybe they can win the West. But we shall see. Number 10 for you. I actually had Jeff Brom here. Uh, Basically, a lot of what you said applies. The biggest reason I've got him ranked up a little higher was the fact that he is a thorn in Ohio State's side. Yes, he is. Uh, You know, and I think when you are the guy who can be a pain in the backside to the best team in the conference and arguably one of the best teams in the nation year in and year out, you get a little bit of respect for that. So I've got him in at number 10. At number 10 for me is Greg Schiano. The 55-year-old is 76-81 and 81 overall, a 484 winning percentage. He is 5-2 and two in bowl games, Chris. And one of those losses just happened this past year 
when on short notice, Rutgers uh, got the invite to go and play uh, the ACC champion, Wake Forest. And although they didn't win, they played really, really well in that game. Uh, since going back to Rutgers, he has not won a Big Ten championship or an East Division championship, and he probably won't uh, won't at all because let's be honest, it's Rutgers and they're playing in the hardest division in college football. But Greg Schiano has got that team uh, moving forward. The trajectory is good, and and Rutgers is no longer the laughing stock of the Big Ten. So I've got Greg Schiano at number ten, number nine for you, Chris. Eric, we we we've. We're falling into a pattern here. Again, here we go, right? Yeah, I've got Greg Schiano in here. I really do feel like he has got this team on the right path. Um, and you know what? Who knows? With restructuring, anything's possible, right? That's right. So, you know, it may come to a point where he gets separated away from Ohio State. All of a sudden, maybe he can make a power play. So, yeah, I, I think that he's doing a great job. We've seen in the past he's a, a really good recruiter. I think that he is going to own that DMV area eventually, especially if he gets separated from Ohio State. I could see him winning possibly a, a divisional title, a uh, divisional portion of the Big Ten. So, yep, give me Shiano in there at number nine. Number nine for me is Brett Bielema. Uh, the 52-year-old, like you said, was 102 and 65, four and five in bowl games. Yes, most of that was indeed with Wisconsin, uh, which I'm not going to ignore here. But I, and I will also say this: he came into Illinois and was one game away from being 500 there. So that's impressive to me. And and I think Brett Bielema over time will get Illinois to be a 500 football team, maybe seven win eight on a really good year type of football team. Um, He, I think he's, I think he can do it there. So I've got him maybe trending a little bit higher than you do right now, but I'm going to, and that might be because I am taking into account what he did back in with Wisconsin, which included big 10 championships in 2010, 11 and 12. And he was the 2006 big 10 coach of the year. Number eight for you. You know, number eight, this is where I started to, to hem-haul around a little bit. Um, you know, for me, off the strength of a really great season, I've got Mel Tucker in here. I think he is really instilling a positive culture at Michigan State. Um, I want to see him do it more than one year. If they come out and have another another year like they did this year, next year, I can see me definitely sliding him up on this list. Uh, But as of right now, I've got Mel Tucker in at number eight. Number eight for me is the man uh, who was there when Moses came down off the mountain with tablets, Kirk Ferentz. This one's for you, my brother Aaron. (laughs) The 66-year-old, who is uh, actually older than that, you just don't know it, is 190 and 131. That's a 592 winning percentage, nine and nine in bowl games. He does have two Big Ten championships, a 2002 and 2004. It seems like forever ago. Uh, Two Big Ten West championships, 2015 in this past year and 2021. Four-time Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2002, 2009, and 2015. And believe it or not, in 2002, he was the AP Coach of the Year. 
Um, Kirk Ferentz had a very good Iowa team, but as you saw when they went up against Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, not much there. Uh, they are a very one-dimensional football team, and when you're able to start, stop that dimension, they're not a very good football team. They play in the perfect division, to be absolutely honest with you. And if there's somebody in the West who can start to recruit and play a more up-tempo, fast style of offense, such as a Purdue or Minnesota, I think Iowa will take a giant step back. But since they play in the the colder climate where it's tough and, and gritty, it seems to play well right into the hands of Kirk Ferentz. I have him at number eight. I think he's on the twilight of his career. Um, just to me personally, he's in the bottom half of the coaches. Number seven, top half for you, Chris. Let's get it. Number seven, I got the guy who's rowing the boat up there at the Twin Cities. I got P.J. Fleck in there. Uh, you know, he's got 591 percentage, uh, career uh, winning percentage as a head coach. Uh, he's nearly 500 in the Big Ten. Very close. Um, he had a very bad break this last year with the injury bug hitting his team. Otherwise, I think they have a much more competitive team and actually have a shot at that Western division. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Fleck is number seven. Number seven was the, is for me is the guy who I had an I I broke up with I had a man crush on him and I I this after oh, the come last on. couple of years did not put him down at number seven I did he's down Especially all the way down going into this season this is the off the every other year I know last I know it was the off year I know uh, Patty Fitz forty seven year old one hundred and nine and ninety record a five forty eight winning percentage five and five in bowl games. To be five and five with Northwestern is impressive. I don't care if your name is Urban Meyer. To do that at Northwestern, come on. He has not won a Big Ten championship, although he has represented the West twice, 2018 and 2020. And like you said, Chris, if the trend continues, it'll be 2022. He was the 2018 Big Ten Coach of the Year. But Patty Fitz, this, I mean, the last couple times I've been, I've been high on him, not done well, so I'm 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 moving him down to seven. But I'll say this: he is ahead of Kirk Ferentz, so I'll give him that. Number six for you. Well, I've got him ahead of Kirk Ferentz too, because I've got Kirk Ferentz coming in at number six. Little love for the guy who was on the sidelines for that original game at Rutgers and back in the 1800s. You know, uh, I think he's a. He's a top half coach in the Big Ten Conference. I really believe that. Uh, you know, I think his record reflects that. Is he the top coach in the Big Ten? He's not a top five guy, but I got him at number six. Number six for me is the Mel Tucker. That's uh, his record's not impressive. Although this past year he had a very good season. They are one and zero in bowl games. Um, he was the 2021 Big Ten Coach of the Year this past year. Mel Tucker is trending up, and I will say this. I'm probably, I, I think, on a short list of people who, if I was the athletic director of Ohio State, obviously you would have Luke Fickle. Uh, you'd have the coach at Boston College who left us, the def- our former defensive coordinator. Jeff Halfley. Uh, Jeff Halfley is on that list. I do what think Matt Mike, Cam- Mike Vrabel? I think no, no. I think Mike Vrabel's an NFL coach. I think he, I don't think he'll ever coach college again. Um, I think Matt Campbell's probably on that list, 
And there are two Big Ten coaches that I think are on that list. I think Mel Tucker is one of them. He did coach at Ohio State. Okay. He is a Northeast Ohio guy. And if he continues to do amazing things with less talent at Michigan State, you've got to like consider what could he do with even more talent at a school like Ohio State. So throwing that out there. Number six for me, Tucker. Number five for you. Uh, number five for me, this is where I've got Patty Fitz. Uh, again, like you said, never never has he actually claimed a Big Ten championship. But, man, he does more with less than anybody else by far. Uh, as far as the talent goes. Now, his, his players are extremely intelligent, and maybe that's why he gets so much out of them. But, uh, yeah, like we said, if there's anybody that's great at getting talent out of two- and three-star guys, Pat Fitzgerald, I've got him in at number five. Number five for me is P.J. Fleck. The 41-year-old is 66-45 and 45 overall, 591 winning percentage, 4-2 and two in, in bowl games, was the 2019 Big Ten Coach of the Year. I don't know anybody that has done what he has done consistently at Minnesota like that. I know Greg uh, was a Mason, uh, the old former Ohio yes. State assistant. Well, he had some decent years at Minnesota, but I don't think he has had the longevity success that we're seeing PJ Fleck. And I said there was two coaches in the Big Ten that I would consider. Uh, he's the other one. PJ Fleck is the other one. I would I would love to see what PJ Fleck could do with a very talented football team. So he's number five for me, which means you and I have this have the same four guys in our top four. I wonder if it'll be in the same order. Let's find out. Number four for you. Uh, number four for me, and this was three and four were hard for me to nail down. They really were. Um, but for me, uh, number four, I actually went with Jim Harbaugh here. Uh, you know, he did have a great season this season. But overall, I mean, only 59 and 23 in the Big Ten. He does only have one win in the rivalry. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a great winning percentage back, dating back to his years at Stanford. I mean, if you look at his entire coaching career, he's 119 and 51. That's a 722 winning percentage. Not a great bowl record. Only one, 10 over, uh, one win over Ohio State. And like I said, not a great, uh, not bad not by any means but not a great, just super outstanding conference record. I got Harbaugh at four. I agree. And I won't reiterate all of that. I, I've got Har, uh, Harbaugh or Jimmy boy or booger eater, whatever you want to call Harbaugh. him. I got him. <laughs> I got him at number four as well. Number three for you, Chris. Uh, number three, I went up to Madison. Uh, Paul Christ, you know, Wisconsin. He's got a 667 winning percentage. 37 and 13 in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, we play him seemingly every year in that uh, conference championship, unless Northwestern sl slips in on the off year. You know, so yeah, I think that Wisconsin. He's done a he's done a pretty good job up there. So uh, yeah, I've got him number number three. 
Number three for me is James Franklin, the 50-year-old there in uh, Penn State is 91 and 49 overall, 650 winning percentage, five and five in bowl games, one Big Ten championship, one Big Ten East championship, and was the 2016 Sporting News Coach of the Year. And right now, he is leading the Big Ten in recruiting in 2023. If you've not looked at that, Penn State is out recruiting Ohio State right now. So I do think we'll be able to catch them. But uh, Penn State is putting together the best recruiting class under James Franklin since he's been there. He got that extension. I think you're going to see a rejuvenated James Franklin. And I can't help but wonder if Penn State might not be the biggest competition to us this year. We shall I, see. I think they absolutely are. Uh, and, and he is. He is a great recruiter. Uh, you know, a, a good coach, solid winning record, uh, and and I look for big things from him, and that's why I have him at number two. Number two for me is Vanilla Ice Cream himself, Paul Christ. <laughs> uh, the 56-year-old has done an amazing job. Did you know he has a seven and two bowl record, Chris? Yes, that is seven extremely impressive. That is really really good. Okay, that's one of the best. In all of college football. So, he, you know, he plays in, in, in the Big Ten West that he's won three times. He's been a two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2016 and 2017 back-to-back. You're right. Paul Christ has done a very good job at Wisconsin. They are the power of the West. Um, I think I think personally he's the second-best coach in the Big Ten because I think he's the most consistent coach in the Big Ten, which means you and I both have – at number one, Chris. Ryan Day. Kind of hard to argue with a guy who's got a 89.5% winning percentage over his career as a head coach. Guy's 23-1 and one versus the conference. Uh, you know, his only losses, Clemson, Alabama, that team up north this year, and the Oregon game. I, that, that's pretty tough. I mean, if you look at it, has he lost to a team outside of the top 10? No. Uh-uh. No. I mean, and he's great recruiter, great X's and O's guy, develops quarterbacks like it's nobody's business. By far, hands down, Ryan Day number one in the Big Ten. Yeah, number one for uh, for me as well, Ryan Day. I will add this to what you said. Um, I think we're going to find out just how good Ryan Day is this year. Um, there's always been the um, the murmuring from the rest of the Big Ten that Ryan Day was <clears throat> born on third base. In other words, given the keys of the Ferrari from Urban Meyer and that he has uh, his success has been because of that. I'm not so sure that that's the truth. I all, I remember at the end of Urban Meyer's career. I was saying that the offensive success had more to do with Ryan Day than it did yes. Urban Meyer, and I believe that to be true. And he has continued the recruiting success that Urban Meyer had, even adding to it slightly uh, with this sophomore class that's getting ready to, I think, explode onto the scene. Uh, it was back in the 60s, Chris, when Woody Hayes had his greatest team, the Super Softs. I think Ryan Day's got his Super Softs this year. I oh, think yeah. this is this will be the greatest uh, sophomore class since then to burst onto the scene in college football, and I think Ryan Day is going to have his urban 
his Urban Meyer, his his Woody Hayes, his um, Jim Trestle moment this year. I think we're we're I think we're quietly watching this spring. Ryan Day put together a national championship team. Number one for me. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for uh, for the, the first half of the show. Um, make sure you stick around. When we come back, I've got that interview with Sean again. He's going to drop a bomb on all of you when it comes to Jeff Gaddis and uh, that whole fiasco and the rumors surrounding that uh, and up in Ann Arbor. Um, if you would, please do us the favor. Give us a five-star review. Uh, the algorithms uh, today on the Internet are just, just crazy. Sometimes they're hard to figure out. But when it comes to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and the like, when you give us a five-star review, it helps us to be found by more people. And we want to continue to grow uh, this podcast throughout the year. Again, remember Aaron Brown, our other co-host, and your thoughts and prayers as it appears the United States is on call for what is happening over there in Europe with Ukraine and Russia. And we don't know any details. Of course, Aaron's not allowed to share any details with Chris and I. All we know is that Aaron said, uh, I'm not going to be available, and that's all we know. So – um, please remember him and his dear wife, Heather, who's pregnant, by the way, with their third child. Um, what a terrible time for this to all happen for them. So, again, we really appreciate your thoughts and prayers for Aaron in this time. Hopefully he will be back and this thing will de-escalate over there in Ukraine. All right. Hang around. We'll be back. And uh, Sean Butler will be joining us. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, and I am joined by... One of a handful of Michigan fans who I actually like, <laughs> my good buddy, Sean Butler. Uh, Sean, first off, um, before we get any further, congratulations on winning the game this year. I don't well, want to thank be a, you very much. Don't want to be a douchebag Buckeye fan. I was a little bitter, but you know, uh, I, I I was happy for you and the uh, other four Michigan fans who I claim as friends. So, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> As uh, as one of our common friends uh, described it, we are cicadas because we only win once every 17 years now. So <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good funny line. So yeah, Chris came up with that one. That was pretty good. Um, all right, so there's been a lot happening, Sean. Since and by the way, it was good to see you in Florida. When I was down on vacation, I got to catch up with you. Uh, it was good to see you in person. It had been a couple decades, man. That's crazy yeah, to think about. It was fun to get back together, that's for sure. Yes, it was. Getting excited to do it again. I ain't going to lie. I've been already looking up uh, when the next vacation can happen. I'd love to bring Sarah down and and catch up with you, let you meet her and things. But um, the program there in Michigan, uh, you guys, you win the Big Ten easily, by the way. Go go and destroy Iowa and, and Indianapolis and go on to college football playoff. A little disappointing on that end for you guys. Um but you, you got there, you know, I'd rather get there and fall flat on my face than not get there at all. Um, but 
you know, it seems like from that moment on, things have just been tumultuous there in Ann Arbor. As as a Michigan fan, please put this in perspective for us Buckeyes. What's going on there? Well, it all begins with Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL, but he was, I think, strategic in doing that because they had no uh, NIL place for kids to make any money at Michigan like they do at Ohio State, Texas, USC type of thing. And he was trying to get the chancellors on board to do something. And then, you know, obviously he wanted to get his pay raise back. So I think him going to the NFL, going to Minnesota for that um, interview was part of the master plan to get things back to where they should be with his pay and getting, you know, his youngest players the ability to do the NIL stuff like everybody else in the country is doing. So do you really believe that he didn't want to go to the NFL then? Is that your as a fan? Is that your stance on that? That's what I personally believe. I mean, if you're going back to the NFL, why would you go to Minnesota? That thing's a dumpster fire. <laughs> well, and especially when you have one of the biggest donors of Michigan owns the Miami Dolphins. If I could choose between Minnesota and Miami, I think that's a no-brainer which way I would go. But um, it does it does it does appear that there might be some truth to that as far as him flirting with the NFL as maybe. A way to get back at uh, the athletic director there, um, uh, Ward, I think it is. Um, so what is that relationship like between the AD and Jim Harbaugh? I mean, it seems like it's really rocky. I don't think the issues between them and, you know, between Manuel and Harbaugh, I think it's between those two and, the you know, higher up. He's in Michigan, the chancellors and things and stuff like that. And I think, you know, obviously, Manuel's got to play by the rules of the college president and stuff, which just got fired for having an affair. So I think it's a lot more of like having the old school mentality, you know, get brought up to, you know, current times. Because Michigan is still an old boys, you know, school where it's all about who you know and everything like that. So I think that was just part of the way. I don't think the athletic director and Herbal have any issues, to be honest with you. The only person I think he has issues with would be Jawan Howard right about now. <laughs> well, that's – and I was going to ask you a little bit about that. I know this is mostly a football podcast, but um, we'll, we'll maybe get to that and throw that on our basketball podcast um, if I can edit it. But let's let's move to Josh Gaddis. So while Harbaugh leaves to go interview at Minnesota, it appears that as soon as he made a decision to come back, Gaddis was out. Now, when you and I met – in person, we didn't talk about football uh, a whole bunch. Um, we we mostly were just catching up with our lives, which was refreshing. But you did let me know a little bit about maybe some rumors around Josh Gaddis and why he left. Do you what know? Heard, any, yeah, what go ahead. I heard what I heard. I can't. What I heard is the reason he left was because he got caught having sexual relations with a crew's mom. That's what the underground story is. So it all makes sense for him to leave right then and there instead of getting fired and, you know, being, you know, just having a bad taste in his mouth. So he had an opportunity to go to Miami and he went. That's what I was told. Mm, but, so you, you don't believe if there was a feeling of um, Jim's back and I really wanted this head coaching job. And now that Jim's back, it's kind of like a slap in the face to me. You think it, it, it had more to do with this rumor that you're hearing about a relation? Correct. And okay. uh, and he'd be in over his head being the head coach at the University of Michigan. I and agree with that. I mean, that's 
He has no head coaching experience, and he's had, you know, a couple decent years as an OC, but there's other qualified coaches that could have come to Michigan to coach, and I would not – I don't think Josh Gass would be over his skis trying to do that. Plus, I, they're, they're talking about him being gone as a good thing because, you know, he was a – I guess not a very good recruiter on the road, so to speak. And I think that lends credence to what, you know, the relations and things and stuff like that. So, but more stuff that I don't know than I do know. So, so it was interesting to me because Josh Gaddis's best years OC there in Ann Arbor actually was this past year, but it seemed like the offense went back to more of a Jim Harbaugh style of offense, not necessarily the whole speed and space preaching that Gaddis had. And so, uh, you know, I, I was kind of shocked that he got the uh, assistant coach of the year award. I, I, I mean, if anything, it should have went to the, the defensive coach that left, in my opinion, not not Josh Gaddis. But, you know, then you lose the defensive coordinator. And that one, that one, I feel stings more than any. What about you? Um, last year when Mike McDonald was uh, hired, John Harbaugh told him he should pick Mike McDonald or the guy they got now. So I, it was an either or. And when he went back to the NFL with the Ravens, I wasn't too shocked by it. But, you know, I it, it'll just they say it was a seam, seamless transition with the new guy they brought in. And I only time will tell because I think, you know, Mike McDonald looked like a freaking hero, but he had the two best defensive ends in the country, and they could wreak havoc on anybody. And you and I could have been a defensive coordinator and just put those horses loose, and one of them got home, it was, you know, the difference in the games. Yeah, that's a good point. So you get, you now, you replace McDonald and Gaddis with Mentor and Wise. Um, both of guy, these guys, when I started digging into their bios, um, they're both like Harbaugh guys. Like they both have history with Jim and the Harbaugh family. Yep. Does does Jim does Jim does he just like hire from within? Does he just hire people he knows type of thing that he's had past with? I mean, what, what's up with it, his hiring? That's what it seems like to me. Whether it's been working for the Ravens organization in some capacity, working for him in San Francisco or at Stanford. You know, I think it all everybody on the coaching staff comes from that type of pedigree. So yeah, I do think he's loyal to his to his people that he gotcha. hires. All right, so this off season, they uh, Michigan actually starts their uh, spring ball. I think this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we've had one practice so far. Oh, you already started it. Okay. Yeah. I know Ohio State's in another week, so uh, you guys are a little bit ahead of us when that is concerned. What is the vibe? What are you reading? Um, is this team, do they feel like they're back? And it, it was kind of like just a, a bump in the road with the whole tumultuous off season here, or, or, you know, what's the vibe you're getting from uh, your Wolverines there? The expectation is very high, especially when you return just about everybody that we have, except the two offensive linemen that we're losing. Um, <clears throat> I think the issue that is going to be their biggest problem is if J.J. earns the starting job over Cade, how that's going to affect the locker room. Because, mm. in my opinion, it is the J.J. show. It's J.J. time. And, you know, Donovan Edwards and all the wide receivers. I just I, – I think the, the sky's the limit for this team. So, you, yeah, I was gonna, that was going to be my next question is where you feel like they should go with quarterback between McNamara and McCarthy. And it sounds like you're on the McCarthy train of things here. 
Absolutely. Yeah, Mac. You know, McNamara kind of reminds me. He like he's a he's a good but not great quarterback. Kind of kind of like J.C. Barrett in the sense that he doesn't have a high ceiling, but he also he doesn't, doesn't have, have a high, doesn't have a high doesn't have a low floor too. But he also doesn't he doesn't have the arm strength McCarthy does. He doesn't have the escapability running you know running out of the pocket that McCarthy does. But there's also one thing he does have that McCarthy doesn't. He doesn't turn the ball over. And, this is true. Know, and McCarthy, you know, he's a gunslinger, and he's uh, – I mean, he's had some great plays his freshman year, but if you're a coach, you're cringeworthy on some of those throws that he made. So where – which way do you think Jim's going to go with this one? Um, do think, you think he leaves it in Matt Weiss's hands to decide, or do you think that he's the one that's going to decide here? I think it's going to be a hard ball call. Yeah. Yeah. So you think he's going to go with AJ McCarthy. Mm. So you think he'll pull the trigger there? Why wouldn't he? I mean, he's got three years left with this guy and you know, (laughs) I just think the talent gap between those two is, is, is huge. Now I think McNamara might be the quarter quote unquote starting quarterback coming out of spring ball, but when fall camp breaks, I think he'll be the backup. Is Jim Harbaugh? You said he's got three years with him. Do you think Jim Har's Jim Harbaugh's now here to stay? After what's happened in the last two months, yeah. It, yeah I mean, yeah, he's he's here until they fire him. Mm. Okay. I don't know. I still think he. I still. I don't know, man. As a as an outsider looking in on your program, I just feel like he's got a he's got an itch in the NFL that he's got to scratch, man. Well, he's got to scratch it, but and that scratch is because he lost to his brother in a Super Bowl, and his brother's got a Lombardi Trophy, and he does not, and he didn't even win one as a playing professional when he played in the NFL. So yeah, that's probably an itch that will always be there. You, you bring up the brothers thing, and you and I know all too much about brother rivalry, don't we? <laughs> we, we sure do, but I mean, it's still – I don't care how old you are. We're in our 40s now, and it's still there. You know how it goes. I do. I do. <laughs> it's like I can. It's like Thanksgiving, let's do a 50-yard sprint, and so you done pull a hammy type of thing. But they're, they're still very competitive with one another. That's good. Um, all right. So one of the things we've been doing in this offseason this year, Sean, is we've been talking to our listeners and getting their backstories and how they became Ohio State fans and what Ohio State means to them. So this is going to be extremely interesting because you're the first person, not a Buckeye fan, who I've brought on the interview that I want to know about how you became a Michigan fan. So a little bit about your backstory so that our, our newer listeners will know. Uh, Sean and I come from the same little small town here in Ohio in Mount Vernon in Knox County, just uh, northeast of Columbus. Sean was one of those Michigan fans who I went to school with, my brother and I. So how did this happen? How did you become a Michigan fan? And tell us about your backstory with that. Well, it started when I was a little kid. I had an older cousin that I idolized, and he was a Michigan fan. So I wanted to be like him growing up. So I started rooting for him because he did. And then as I got older, started to see how things played out with Bo and the rival with Ohio State. Um, I remember, when was it? 
the year that Earl Bruce beat them in Ann Arbor when he got carried off the field. 89 or 88, one of the two. I think it's 89, yeah, if I'm not I, mistaken. I, I knew I was a Michigan fan at that moment in time because I was filled with rage when that happened. <laughs> Which was most of the 90s for me, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, It's been that way with me for the whole 2000s and stuff. And then when I started reading about Bo Beckler, you know, the team, the team, the team, you know, those who stay will be champion type of things. I just fell in love with them and the culture. And then Desmond Howard came along. And then, of course, Charles Woodson and Tom Brady. It's just it's been ongoing. But it all started because I had an older cousin that I wanted to be exactly like. So that up. that Michigan Ohio State game that you're referencing was actually 87. I was going to say 86 because Tom Tupa was the punter and the quarterback. It was 87, so you would have been – I would have been six, so you would have been 10? Yeah, so that was the year after Harbaugh left. Okay. Interesting. All right, so you had an older cousin there. So I I remember Tom Tupa, Carlos Snow. I can still remember that game vividly in my mind. (laughs) So you had an older cousin that influenced you. Um, mm-hmm. and when you and when you get into junior high, high school, Sean, it felt like to me that the Michigan fans who I went to school with were doing it more out of spite than they were actual true fans. You know, like it, I'm surrounded by all these Buckeye fans and I love poking the bear type of thing. Was that is that any is there any truth to that at all? Not with me, but I can know people who are Notre Dame fans, Penn State fans and you know, other fans of other college teams, especially like USC, who was the big guys at the time, University of Miami Hurricanes. But you know, everything for me was totally genuine from the time I was a little tyke, even till now. So you can't question my fandom. No, I don't know. I'm not questioning it at all. I mean, by now, if you weren't a true fan by now, you definitely would have jumped off that boat after the 2000s, man. So but do you know how many Buckeye fans I know that bleed scarlet and gray in the fall? But as soon as the calendar flips over, they become Duke fans. Oh, there's, I mean, there's quite a few. I yeah, I, I can actually. I pro- we are probably thinking about the same one. I know one right off the top of my head. Yeah, um, so it's it's people like that that just drive me nuts. Yeah, so my you know being Ohio State and 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 here's the thing. Like I know you're also a Browns fan, which. <laughs> gives you ties to Ohio, but I'm not. And you knew, you know that. And of course you've been able to pick on me as being a Bengals fan my whole life. I mean, I, I call myself a closet Bengals fan because for, they were so bad for so long that I just was like, ah, but, um, and even this year I found it really difficult in all honesty to really jump on that bandwagon as a, as a huge fan, because I'm like, I jumped off this thing, you know, like I, I, I kind of feel like I gave up on him a little bit. So I went through this weird emotion as a Bengals fan where I felt guilty about not being a fan when they were bad. <laughs> well, I've, I've been a fan through the badness. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So looking, looking forward, projecting forward now a little bit, you said the expectations are high in Ann Arbor. What are your expectations this season? Um, I expect the Ohio State Michigan game in Columbus to be for all the marbles, and I think Ohio State will win that game. Okay. So I See, think we'll that, be in a few, I think we'll be, you know, ten and two, eleven and one, maybe. Give yeah, or that, take. that that schedule's not very I mean, that schedule sets up nicely for you guys. Really, there's only four games on your schedule that I think are gonna be competitive. You're at Iowa, 
Um, you got Iowa, uh, Penn State. You got Michigan, it. Michigan State, 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 Ohio State. You got it. Yeah. The, the other eight games, I think Michigan should handle pretty easily. Maryland might be the one where I circle and say, depends on what kind of Maryland team shows up this year and how healthy they are. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, you got Penn State and Michigan State at home. I mean, I you technically you have the home field advantage in those games, and it seems like Penn State and Michigan when they play each other, it, whoever's at home seems to definitely have an advantage there. Um, uh, but Penn State, you know, everybody thought James Franklin was going to move on to USC or something else, and then he signed that ten-year, you know, deal. So it'll be interesting to see how they rally around him. But then again, yeah. you got Sean Clifford coming back and. I think that, that dude's been playing football at Penn State since the early 90s. It seems like they, they have a quarterback. When they pick a quarterback, he's he's there for three or four years as a starter. It does seem that way. But I'll tell you, James Franklin's got the recruiting train rolling right now. I think they're third in the nation uh, yep. in the 2023 recruiting class, so they're doing really, really well there. Um, has there been any recruiting setback due to the, uh, I guess you would say, confusion in Ann Arbor this offseason? Um, we lost a couple of linebacking commitments due to McDonald not being there now, but not to say they can't be brought back into the fold. Um, you know, we signed our biggest secondary recruit since probably Charles Woodson, who will be a starting corner out of Michigan in a five-star. I don't remember the kid's name, but he's wearing number two, and he's supposed to be a starter, and he's supposed to be a game changer. So we'll see what happens. Good deal, my man. All right, so here's the final question for you. I asked this to all the Buckeye fans. I can't wait to get your response on this. What does it mean to you to be a Michigan man? I mean, well, it's uh, (laughs) – my kids are, you know, for the most part, it's doing things the right way, you know, not trash talking and just act like you've been there before. You remember us being taught that, you know, if you win, win humble, you know, win being humble, act like you've been there before. Don't rub it in somebody else's face and always keep, you know, your even keel. Like where Ohio state players are flipping off Michigan fans, walking up the tunnel at halftime and things and stuff like that. But then, you know, my, Kids started rap, you know. My kids are Buckeye fans, so what do they do? They razz me about Juan Howard smacking that guy last Sunday. So well, I thought you said you do things the right way all the time. So I don't know. I'm in my mid 40s. I don't, you know. It's to me now has become just loyalty is what it boils down to me. I've been loyal to the Browns, to the Indians, to the Cavs, and to Michigan, and I have taken a lot of heat for that over the years because. Out of all the Cleveland sports, I got one championship in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, LeBron, old LeBron there. So they got a good team this year, though, man. They're, they're making some noise. Um, some noise, getting those draft picks from you know, LeBron leaving and things. But, yeah, so we'll see. But then again, you know, the Browns were supposed to be end-all, be-all last year, and they cooked an egg. So you tell me. All right, so let me ask this question for our, uh, Nick Delanitis and Jason Monk over on our uh, basketball podcast. Juwan Howard, man, uh, the 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 slap heard around the world, dude. What what's up with that? And as a Michigan fan, your feelings on this, man? Well, I'm shocked by what happened because he had a 
dust up last year with the head coach of Marylanders, I believe. So you probably saw my personal Facebook post. What I would have liked to have seen, I would like to see, I would have wanted Joan Howard fired for that and bring back John Beeline. That's what I wanted to happen, but I didn't get that. So moving forward, are you, are you, are you giving him like a second chance or are you kind of just like, yeah, I, I have, I have to give him a second chance. The dude is a phenomenal recruiter. And, um, you know, the class he brought in last year with the class he's bringing this year, there's a lot of potential and stuff there, but you know, you're a leader of young men, you know, you're in your mid, you're almost 50 years old. How do you let some little dude like that get in your head, you know? And, you know, and then slap somebody. The one th- I was expecting him to come out with, like, oh, they called me a racial slur or something. But he's just like, nope, didn't like what they did. And so I slapped him. So it is, I don't know. I w- thought he would have been fired just like Woody was when he punched that player. Maybe because he punched, he slapped a coach. He doesn't get fired. I don't know what happened. But I know John Beeline's a hell of a basketball coach. He's the winningest basketball coach in Michigan history. And he could have been rehired on the spot and not skip the beat. So I guess, I guess looking at it in the perspective of moving forward, I feel like Juwan, I feel like his frustrations got the best of him because the season is not gone the way that he, the team or the fan base expected. It's not gone the way I expected. I thought they were going to be there in the final a week of the season playing for a conference championship. And, and that's they, what I thought too, because they brought in that coastal Carolina point guard who was supposed to be really good. Hunter Dickinson was back and they got Caleb Houston. And it's like, you know, he has like one good game and then he craps the bed for the next three or four games. Uh, it's, it's hard to figure them out. That's for sure. Yeah, there's a little bit of a Jekyll and a Hyde there. Of course, the whole Big Ten is hard to figure out in basketball this year. I mean, I mean, it, at this point, it's anybody's game here in the last two weeks. I mean, I just watched Sparty take down Purdue and give them their fifth loss. I mean, the Buckeyes are sitting here with five losses and a chance to win the Big Ten after yep. upsetting Illinois. It's it's crazy. And I mean, Purdue came to Ann Arbor two weeks ago and lost by 20-plus points. So who knows? You just don't know. Absolutely not. But, but that's why we love sports because anything can happen at any given time. How's your golf game, Sean? It's going pretty well. Yeah, you got you, yeah. you get nine or eighteen holes in today at all yet? Uh, no, I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I had to work today till about two o'clock, and gotcha. of course, of course, it was 89 degrees in total humidity. So I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go sweat today. Let's <laughs> stay inside the air conditioning and watch TV. I'd trade you, man. With we, I think we got, uh, I think it's uh, 30 degrees outside right now. So, and I, and I came, I came back, I came back from Florida. I literally, uh, I was, I was peeling within two days. <laughs> like what? Maybe you need to get it. Maybe start going on the tanning bed. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know about that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, Sean, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I'll see if I can't twist your arm to get you to close out our show for us. Um, you know how we always do that. We'll see what you do here. <laughs> As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH! Go home. <laughs> I owe. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh. Hios praise and songs through Amma Mater rain.
while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship oh hi -yo.